Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by the Job Center Staffing. Today, we want to welcome the most famous athlete in Pittsburgh history. <laughs> yes, you heard it here. No, not Sidney Crosby. No, not Big Ben. And definitely not Antonio Brown. We have no other than the Pittsburgh kid, my best friend, Neil Walker. Welcome, Neil. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's a, that's a bold statement, Kyle, but um, I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, first of all, for those that don't know, um, obviously, this is our first episode of The Underdog. Couldn't have any better guests than my best friend, Neil. Uh, has been instrumental as a, as a mentor and a role model and can't wait just to have a, a true, genuine conversation and allow the listeners and the folks that know me that I've heard a lot about you just really get to know you a little bit. So thank you again for your time. Really, really appreciate it. it. Uh, I wanted to start off in, in something you know I think that people don't realize is in, in most of our guests that we're going to be talking to never faced adversity before they were born. And Neil actually faced while he was a swimmer somewhere, probably, as we said, um, didn't even realize when he was inside inside of someone that he was facing adversity, right? And so um, long story short, Roberto Clemente has a um, piece in Neil's life with his father. And can you just shed a little bit of light sure. on that? Sure, yeah. I mean, and uh, it's very interesting because um, – Obviously, the, the, the timing of the whole thing, my dad was um, playing winter ball in Puerto Rico at the time, and Clemente was in the kind of the back end of his career. He had just had his 3,000th hit as a Pittsburgh Pirate, um, and he was uh, in um, Puerto Rico, and I believe he was a like a player coach at the time. He was kind of preparing for the next season, but also didn't want to do too much because the demands of the season and uh, having an offseason, so on and so forth. But my dad was a, a player down there in Puerto Rico, and, um, you know, kind of fast forward to, to getting close to Christmas and New Year's Eve, there was an earthquake that happened in Nicaragua, Nicaragua obviously. And, um, the humanitarian that Roberto Clemente was, he, uh, gathered up supplies, gathered up aid, got a plane and, um, they started loading up the plane. Well, guys that were a part of the, the league down there, the Puerto Rican league, which there was probably, I would assume five to seven to eight teams. And they didn't play as much between Christmas and new year's. That was kind of like their off days. So a lot of guys chipped in, a lot of guys helped. And my father was one of those guys. And he, uh, he and several other guys were literally at the airport loading stuff literally onto the plane. And, um, uh, the idea was that they were going to load stuff on the plane. They were going to jump on the jump on the plane, take a trip to Nicaragua, Nicaragua, unload the plane, and fly back. And um, uh, they started to load it up. They loaded it up, and they realized that really the only space that they had left in this plane was for the for the the pilot and uh, Roberto. There was really only two seats left. And my dad and a couple guys were like, "Hey, you know, it's no big deal. We'll sit on boxes in the back. You know, I, we know it's it's packed up pretty good." And um, he, uh, Roberto eventually said, you know what, this is ridiculous. I don't want you guys doing this. However long the flight was going to be two hours, three hours, whatever. Uh, and he talked him into staying, which, you know, <laughs> here we sit now, saved the life of, of, of many, many people, including my dad. And, uh, as, as my dad tells it, he's there, these guys are going, oh, I guess we'll, we're going to stay here for new year's Eve. 
he goes back to his apartment um, in San Juan, and uh, all of a sudden he he's hearing people kind of stirring around, stirring about, looking out uh, <laughs> toward the water, going, "Hey, did you guys hear the the plane that was carrying Roberto Clemente and the pilot and the the, the supplies went down <laughs> shortly after takeoff?" And uh, you know, to hear my dad tell it is much more uh, regal, I guess you could say, than than me telling it. But uh, you know, to this day, I owe pretty much everything in my brothers, my two brothers and my older sister, we owe everything to, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for them and, uh, or weren't for the Clemente. So every, every year, uh, during the baseball season in September, they have Roberto Clemente day. And I remember as a Pittsburgh pirate for, for uh, quite some time, we were kind of at the forefront. We would always go to a local school and give out supplies. And that was kind of part of Clemente day. But, uh, Vera Clemente, Roberto's late wife, always would come into town with uh, the the with with her kids, and like it was always strange. It's it was always strange just to see just to see them because I would I would always go up and I would say Vera, you know, thank you, and uh, you know, and she uh, has had a lot of people say thank you to her in her life, but uh, just the kind of the whole thing that surrounded me being with the Pirates, me playing uh, on the field, me getting to look at the twenty one foot wall in right field that the Clemente wall, like all those things kind of, uh, hit home. And, you know, probably the one story on the field in, in regards to that, that I thought was that kind of gives me chills just telling it was, um, the, the one year, I think it was 2014, um, Clemente day was in in Pittsburgh. The Clemente family's there before the game. One of the boys throws out the first pitch, so on and so forth. Well, at the time we were playing the Red Sox and I had 20 home runs at that time. Right. So I had 20 home runs and, um, I get up in about the seventh inning and I hit a home run and it it literally, I mean, literally went over the 21 foot wall, probably by five, six inches. Wow. So I'm rounding the bases and I don't really think anything of it. I touch home and I come in and, and you know, when you hit a home run, they put it up on the board a number or whatever. Right. And so I had hit, on Clemente Day, I believe it was 2014. I don't know if that's 100% correct, but on Clemente Day, I hit my 21st home run over the 21-foot Roberto Clemente wow. wall, who was number 21. And like, it, I, I was, I was like, whoa, this is, this is too much. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know how much I believe in like some supernatural things or whatnot, but that was like as close as it, as it's come to something being like, wow, this is, was meant to be. Wow. That's unbelievable. I don't think we've ever talked about that. That's that, that alone, that story. And I think when, when did you, I I'm curious, cause I, obviously we grew up together. When did you kind of piece the Roberto Clemente to your dad's story? When did that start to, I guess, you know, saturate that, how like him making that decision to keep your dad, you know, in Pittsburgh, right? How did that affect? And when did you realize that? So, you know, how it is with your, your parents and past stories and like the back in my day type stuff. Like me and my brothers and my sister heard all the stories uh, my dad would tell about sports and, you know, this and that. And and it probably didn't hit me until I got drafted by the Pirates. And I had heard the same Clemente story over and over again and stories about other players that he played with and, these, and this and that. But like when he started to tell it and it hit him more 
uh, just me being in the Pirates organization, it, it hit him more like, wow, this might be really meant to be like this. This might really uh, be a, 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 a godsend type of type of thing, uh, especially as it re- revolves around the Clemente situation. Um, and so when he, t- he when he told me that story, probably, you know, 17, 18 years old, whatever that, that, that was when I got drafted. Oh, I was I was 18 years old. But um, he told me that story and I was like, whoa, this is kind of strange. And, you know, fast forward to a lot of other things involved with the Pirates that we broke the street. The, the the 500 uh losing not, not winning over or winning over 500 for the first time in 21 years like you, know, you can't make <laughs> this stuff of, up you know a what lot i mean of 21 a lot, a lot of strange stuff right. so uh, you know i felt fortunate to kind of be a, a just a small cog in that whole thing but when i when you sit back and think about all the sequence of events it's it's really eerie <laughs> yeah and just to kind of wrap that up i know we're going to get moving on your childhood but roberto clemente for those that don't know is one of the most famous and one of the best baseball players to live or when, when he was living and as a player. So um, what a story. I mean, that's incredible. And stuff I'm still learning, number 21, and how it, how it affects, you know, obviously this man. So so transitioning to uh, your, your childhood, mm-hmm. you were actually um, a good swimmer, as we found out, and you have <laughs> made it to uh, – born and raised in Pittsburgh. True. Um, and – we're a tremendous athlete from what I've heard, um, from what I've researched. Um, first question is, who's the better athlete between you two? That's what I need. <laughs> Me and Kyle? Yes. Well, Kyle is by far the better uh, basketball player and probably probably a better football player too, although we played, we played different positions. And Kyle and I, to kind of give you a backstory, we, I believe you were 11 or 12 when you moved to Pittsburgh, right? Yep. Yeah, so, fifth, fifth or sixth grade, you know, yeah. and and he he moved in in a neighborhood that was right across the street from me, and uh, I remember him kind of showing up to a basketball get-togethers that we would have, and we were like, "Man, this kid's good. <laughs> this kid can shoot. He's easy. He was, he now. was tall easy for his, now. he was tall for his grade for his age too. <laughs> uh, so we we quickly hit it off along, along with a couple other other kids, but um, we all played the same sports. We all played baseball, basketball, and football. So we were we all spent so much time together, but uh, more so off the field we 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 bonded so well the you know the, the sleepovers and the uh playing backyard football and basketball and those type of things were are more the things we shared uh than you know the actual like you know on-field accolades and things like that but uh kyle was not a very good baseball player he, he, <laughs> he was okay but uh he there wasn't you know they say that you have all these tools like five tools and there just wasn't one that really stuck out for Kyle, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And I think he'll admit that, but yeah. he was like he was okay at everything. Right. But he just didn't stick out in any category. I agree. Nay. <laughs> I would agree. I was about to give him the best compliment ever, but now no. <laughs> but I'm it's lo- true. Hey. Neil, you're welcome back. But he's being very <laughs> humble. First of all, he was a better football player than me, hands down. Was invited to the Big Thirty Three. Most people don't realize how oh, much okay. of a multi sport athlete. Well the only reason why he didn't you know, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but the only reason why he didn't play basketball is obviously because he was focusing on baseball and football and, and a lot of things there. But um, he's being I have extremely a good story modest. about the the big 33 too that I have. I mean, I've told some people this, but so I got invited to the to the big 33 going, and I was about to start playing baseball season in Pittsburgh. And can we explain what the big 33 is sure, for those sure. listeners? Um, it's just a it's a football game, high school football game, of all star football game between Ohio. Um, top players and Pennsylvania's top players. Kyle I believe they still do it too, right? 
Um, I'm not I think sure. they just. I think they might have just canceled it. Okay. But I have to look at that. Up, so, but anyways, that would have been 2004 uh, when I graduated, and going into that, it was they had the game set up for like early June, and uh, I wanted to. I was obviously in baseball season, and baseball was always first. And I knew that I had signed the previous November to go play baseball at Clemson, but then the draft was coming up. Uh, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be drafted high, if I was, if I did dra- get drafted fairly high, if I was going to sign, all, all those things considered. So I went to the big 33, like pre, uh, thing. Right. And I'm sitting there and I got like Darrell Revis is there. And, and some of these big name guys, uh, on that team, I believe Chad Henney was on the, uh, big 33 on the Pennsylvania side. And we were, we're sitting there in Hershey at this hotel and, um, they're starting to go over like the script and what they're going to do and how they're going to play the game and, and this and that. And I'm kind, I kind of know that there's a good chance I probably won't play it in any way just because I didn't want to take the risk of getting hurt, even if I did get drafted, didn't get drafted, whatever. And so I'm sitting there, and they're going, okay, uh, Re- on defense, you know, Revis, you're going to take – we're going to play man-to-man, uh, three deep. You're going to take this side. Uh, Walker, you're not going to play safety. You're going to play corner on this side. And these are the guys you're going to be going against. And uh, I heard the words Ted Ginn Jr. come out of his mouth as somebody that I was going to guard. And I said, yeah, I think I'm going to pass on this. I think I'm going to go home. I'm going to try to leave on a high note. But um, that's, that, oh, that's that was the, kind of the, the height of my claim to fame for, with uh, football and, and something that I didn't even get involved in. So, And I knew, you know, probably there's probably a lot of Ohio people listening to this that know who Ted Ginn Jr. is. So. Now, oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, he, was a, he was a great athlete. He's still playing, and you're still playing. Ted Ginn is still playing. Yeah. So. But now, I will say this. Kyle has made this very clear that he was the athlete of the year uh, in Granville, but on the flip side, you are the two-time male athlete of the year. So, I mean, if if there's any debate here, I think Neil does take the cake. I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, there ain't no debate. This guy's still <laughs> playing baseball. And as much as I love the job center, I, I would love to be playing uh, football right now. But no, he once again so proud. I mean, going. I know we're going off a little off script here, which is great. Talking about sustaining excellence right you're talking about a guy that was drafted out of high school as he said after he skipped out on guarding ted ginn jr which is hilarious by the way watch out for those tar blooders glenville high tar blooders um and skipped out went to uh and rightfully so drafted first round uh to his hometown of the pittsburgh pirates as an 18 year old and i remember Take us back to, you know, I remember that time and it's been a while, right? 16, 17 years ago. And obviously I loved that phone call, but take us, take us back to that time when you got drafted, 18 year old to go and play with, you know, grown men, (laughs) you know, I, we, you know, I was going to college, right? Your friends were going to college and I know that was hard, something we talked about, but take us back to that time of, you know, everyone thinks it's so easy, but just that initial phase of getting drafted uh, to your hometown yeah. of Pittsburgh, and then you know, kind of your thought process of of not going to college versus going pro. Yeah, it was it was really interesting, and uh, I had a lot. There was a lot of talk in in our household because I'm I'm the youngest of four kids, and I had an older brother at the time, uh, Matt, that was in the Detroit Tigers organization. So he kind of he kind of understood what 
like what it was about. And he was a late round pick. He was a 40th round pick at the time. So he was, he was the guy that was the, always the extra outfielder that somehow worked his way into getting a lot of at bats and just kind of grinded along. So he had a, we had a good appreciation in, in, in our household for what it, uh, what it was like to play uh, professional baseball, especially in the minor leagues. And my dad and I, my mom talked a lot about like, well, what if I get drafted in the first round? What if I get drafted in the second round? You know, and we, we essentially came to the conclusion that if it wasn't, you know, life altering money that was involved with uh, where I would be drafted. And like I said, coming out of Pennsylvania, we were playing 20 games in a high school season. So you had to play really well for those, <laughs> for that period of time. And as anybody knows around here, most of those games are in 40 degree weather. And, uh, so I, but I was fortunate enough to play really well in that spring and fast forward and I get drafted number 11 overall and, uh, to the pirates. And, you know, at that point, when you start to see some of the numbers that are involved, you're saying this, well, this is kind of a no brainer. And I, I call the coach at Clemson university and I say, you know, unfortunately I'm not going to, I'm not going to come there. I'm going to, I'm going to go play. And, uh, things happen really fast. I remember it was like, uh, June 5th or 6th or something like that when the draft happened. And, uh, I hadn't, we, I had just, uh, graduated, had a, had a graduation, hadn't had a graduation party. And, uh, all of a sudden, like, Three days after I, I get drafted, I'm going down to the ballpark in Pittsburgh and I'm signing a contract and I'm, uh, you know, meeting all these people in, in, internally that are involved. And they're like, hey, why don't you just have your uh, your graduation party here at the ballpark? And it's kind of like two kill, kill two birds with one stone. And that was great. And then fast forward a couple more days, they're going, well, you're going to go down to Bradenton, Florida and be involved in the, the Gulf Coast League, which is the lowest rung of the minor leagues. And uh, when I started to when things started to slow down and I started to process things and I, I was thinking to myself, Oh boy, like <laughs> number one, how, three quarters of the guys on the team didn't speak English. You know what I mean? And I'm, I was going to go from a uh, playing three baseball games a week, maybe, maybe two, two, maybe three a week to playing every single day. And I, and, and then I'm going to the airport and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know how to do laundry. I don't know hardly how to make my bed and I'm, and I'm 18 years old and I'm about to, so it kind of all hit me at once. Like when I was about to get on the, on the plane to go down there, because until then I was like, Oh yeah, you signed, you know, this is great. You get, you look at this, all this money you're making this and that. And I was absolutely terrified, absolutely terrified. And I got down there and, I, and, and they throw you in this uh, motel type place at the, at the Bradenton spring training facility. And the first couple of days, I'm just walking around like, wow, okay, this is my new life. Like, I, I, I got to figure it out. And, um, you know, obviously, eventually you do, but it's, uh, you can, you can't really explain. I, I couldn't really explain to people what, like, what was going through my head because it was so, it was so different than anything that I was used to. And, you know, after this is my 15th, 16th year of professional baseball, uh, you appreciate how much uh, you learned in those times because you were forced to kind of uh, grow up very quickly. Uh, but you don't want to go through those <laughs> through it again. The, the bus rides, the 10-hour bus rides that play the same day, that's, yeah. you know, those type of things you have a great appreciation for. And I think that's one thing I always talk about at the job center, especially in business. And that's, he just confirmed that is sometimes you have to put yourself out there. And a lot of times I talk about, I always talk about internally is like, that's the way it happened for me. Just in a, it wasn't baseball. It was staffing, right? Was as a 22 year old getting out of school was like, start a business, like go figure it out. And that's what you had to do, you know, which is great to hear that people realize like the adversity that 
is is not only you know people think just the the life of professional athletes is 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 just kosher and i know it's not having visibility to that and the adversity but i think that's important for people to realize how to translate that experience that neil had with professional baseball into a career and say hey sometimes you just got to figure it out i tell people all the time like just there's an adversity like he, the, the man saying at 18 years old he's going to stay in a motel he doesn't know how to do laundry he doesn't know how to do you know those things and take but he figured it out right and then he grew he grew up real fast and that was one thing you know, I always looked at Neil and said, you know, I always felt like he was light years ahead from from a maturity standpoint because he had to, right? I was dealing with kids my age at Miami University while he was, like he said, when I'd go visit them in the minor leagues, I'm like, dude, these guys are old, right? And at that time, he was eight, we were 18 and they were like 24, 25, you know, uh, you know, they were just just grown men and like old, like you felt like they were old men. And, uh, you know, I just remember – but it's just it's it's a state of mind when you talk about like as people realize we'll have Sean McVay on the show too. Is just you have to you have to mature and you have to grow and you have to do it quickly and sometimes you have no other choice and you have to make that choice. That's the difference between succeeding and failing. So did you so having played uh, collegiate sports and I remember being in two. I was back when I played two a days. Were still two a days, and I remember being in college. Probably. So when was that? Nineteen seventy or? <laughs> I would say two thousand, but thirty years off. Um, but I remember having a moment of probably three or four days in. You're, you're, you're tired. You've been through that first grind, and you're like, "Did you ever have that moment of why am I doing this?" <laughs> and. I want to go home. Did you have that? Like, did you ever yeah. have that kind of yeah. thought? Yeah, and you know, I I was I was fortunate. I think because, like I said, I had a brother that was playing professionally at that time. Um, I had a dad that went through what we went through, and an uncle that went through what we went through at the major league level. So I kind of, when things would, when my my mind would go to that place, like I would try to step back as much as I could from baseball. And the good thing was, like. Uh, the conversations that I would have with my dad or with my uh, brother or with, uh, you know, whoever, uh, people that were involved with baseball, especially on the other end of it, like being done with baseball. My brother was kind of on his way out of, of professional baseball at that time. You rarely talked a lot about baseball because it's so, it's such a, it's such a things, it's, it's very pessimistic. It's uh, because, you know, there's no other sport that you can play that like, if you're 30% successful in it, you know what I mean? As a, as a hitter, a position player, like <laughs> right. you're, you know what I mean? Like if you think, if you break it down like that and you're, and you're, you're like, wow, if I get three hits out of 10 at bats, which is, you know, basically one hit a game, like I'm, if I can do that consistently, I'm considered like all-star level. And you know, you, you go, you go take a test in college, you bring home a 30%, you know, you're not, you're not doing your job, you know? Right. So like, my my dad always found a way to, uh, you know, steer clear of anything involved with like, oh, you were, you know, you struck out three times yesterday. Like, you know, of course I know that it was a bad day, but he would always find a way to spin things in the positive light. And those are the type of people that you need when uh, when it go, when it involved with baseball. You need especially sports in general, like people that push you in the right direction because you can let your mind go to such a terrible place. Like you said, and, uh, I've seen so many 
teammates that were unbelievably talented, more talented than me, that just mentally they couldn't they couldn't do it anymore. They missed home. They they couldn't uh, they couldn't deal with a living situation. They couldn't deal with missing their family, girlfriend, wife. You know, some of them had kids at, at uh, the younger the A ball you know level. But um, luckily, I, I've always kind of felt like I'm somebody that has been able to grind pretty well and get through the crap per se. And you know, I've always felt like from a preparation standpoint in anything, like if you can be the most prepared, then especially in sports, like you can just go play and you can live with the results. If you do everything you can to try to get the most out of what your, whatever your job might be. And I've tried to live by that and tried to, you know, do that as much as I could. And, you know, here I am 16 years later in, in professional sports and, um, hoping to finish off a few more years before I call it quits. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I have uh like kind of brings me back. I don't know if you remember this. Um, when we were in, uh, it was a clear water or anywhere around there. We went on that yacht one time. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were like me and my, our buddy, Billy white, shout out to Billy white here. But, um, we were, you know, we were like, we were, we thought we were the entourage, right? We were like, Oh man, our best friend, you know, he's this. So we go on this yacht and, uh, and we were trying to live like the dream, like with Neil and this and that. We thought we were going to be like the show entourage and this and that. And, and but you come to realize, you know, the best thing about, like he said, sustaining excellence. You got to get rid of all that riffraff in, in like that clear that. And I think he was able to do that. And I think we can learn more here. But um, that's a great, you know, what the words of advice, like I said, to translate into a lot of people is is how do you grind through, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is from obviously his parents who I know Tom and Carolyn, fantastic parents, brothers and sisters support cast. But, um, if you don't have that upbringing, a lot of it's just overcoming that adversity and fighting through that moment of, of stickiness and and talking of that, you know, um, going, obviously this is the underdog. So everyone, you know, might think, okay, Hey, this is all great. You know, he hasn't experienced adversity, but you have. And I think let's go back to 2009, Obviously, you had a lot of pressure on yourself being drafted in 2004, right? If I remember correctly mm-hmm. here, 2004 from your hometown, our hometown, I should say. I'm a Pittsburgh guy, <laughs> pseudo, right? Womp, 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 Cleveland Browns fan, remember yeah, uh, there, but we don't need to um, <laughs> but <laughs> so you know, I think take us back, obviously, that pressure. And I know that, right? You know, the whole hometown, our friend, your friends, our friends, your family, um, the whole area, you know, I knew you're feeling that pressure. We talked about it, but, and then you had the criticism of, of, of new general manager, new regime. Um, you know, some of the guys you went up with were getting called up, you know, take us back to that point in your career that that was in a, one of the most adverse situations, you know, explain to us, what that situation was and how you overcome it. Yeah, so I, I I was fortunate enough to kind of speed through the 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 minor leagues as a young player, and I remember getting to AAA for a very short period of time when I was 20 years old, and uh, and I thought, oh, I'm I'm in I'm in AAA at 20 years old. I'm going to be in the big leagues at 21. You know, I, I'm I'm just going to breeze through this league too. And I turn around and two and a half years later, I'm still in AAA and, and kind of gotten eaten alive for, for two years, uh, for better parts of two, almost three years. And uh, we get into 2009 and I'm 
you know, I'm kind of starting to think like, wow, that maybe, maybe it's not meant to be with the pirates. Maybe, you know, I'm, uh, maybe I'll ha- I might have to make my, um, you know, kind of path somewhere else. Cause they were, you know, I, like I said, I'd been in AAA for several years and, uh, was there with Andrew McCutcheon and, um, we get to like mid season uh, somewhere around June. And, um, you know, there's talk that, that guys might get, start to get moved up. And Andrew was obviously at the forefront of that. And, and I thought maybe there was a, there was a possibility that I'd be a, a mid, mid, uh, call up. And, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of I hit a ball one night and it was like a swinging bunt down the first baseline and the pitcher picked it up and he went to to tag me and I kind I, I slid head first in the first base and uh, and I I kind of jammed my knee and I slid through the bag and my left left pinky slid through the bag and I get up and my pinky's is sideways and I'm going oh no you know okay it's just a dislocated finger whatever we'll get it back so I come out of the game and the next day I got to go to the doctor and. Uh, and I'd get out of bed that day and I realized that I, I crushed my knee too. <laughs> and it didn't, I didn't feel it until I woke well, you're up. You're not supposed like, to slide in the first base, right? It, uh, and I've never done it since. <laughs> I can tell you that. So I don't I, know much about baseball, but yeah, I know that. Not a good idea. <laughs> and, and I realized that I had a, I, I tore my, completely tore my PCL and I dislocated my finger. So, and, uh, so I, I wasn't playing, I wasn't going to be playing for probably the better part of two months then. So that's June, July, end of August. And a couple of days after that, Andrew, uh, gets called up and, uh, that, that hit me hard because we had gone pretty much every single, le- every single level to that point. And in my young, naive not mind, I'm going, well, if, if he's going to go up, I'm probably going to go up. And that didn't happen. And I had to go down to the, to the spring training facility to rehab. And I had a lot of time by my, by myself down there going to the ballpark and anybody that's, that's been in, in that, that realm of, uh, you know, being hurt in professional sports, especially baseball, that's a, that's a, it's a bad place to be. You know, it's, 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 it's quiet. Your days, you go to the ballpark in the morning and you do your rehab and you're there for maybe two hours and then you go home and like you take a nap and you hang out and then you go do it again until everything starts to heal up. So, uh, I, I, I got a chance to kind of like, uh, really think about like where I was in my career, like what I wanted to do and, and, and how, you know, how I, and I never really had that opportunity before. And the one thing that I kind of uh, racked my brain around was like, when I come back, like uh, I know that I do certain things well, and I'm going to try to make the most of that. I'm not going to try to be just, uh, you know, do everything well. I'm going to do what I do well. And when I came back, I played really well uh, in AAA and got called up in September. But, um, and then, then the following year, I didn't make the team and got called up um, in May. And then I, I, I've, I've been in the big leagues ever since, but there was a, there was a, uh, a three month window there that, that I didn't know that if I was, that I was going to reach my dream. And, uh, I know that on a, on a, the adversity scale, that's not, that's something that's not, uh, you know, you, people probably say, well, that's, that's hardly adversity, but in, 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 in my world and, and the thing, you know, uh, I didn't go to college. I, I was, I was 23 at that time. Like, uh, if, if that didn't work out then, and I kind of maybe spun the wheels somewhere else in AAA for the next couple of years, I may not have made it. You know what I mean? I was very fortunate to get an opportunity and, and to, uh, to kind of run with it going into 2010. But, um, it was, uh, that was probably the lowest point of my, of my baseball, my professional sports or professional or sports career, all the way dating back to when I was a kid. So, uh, I was, I was fortunate enough to kind of come out on the other end of that. But, um, you know, more adverse than the commune ducks when we lost there, <laughs> we had a roller hockey team and, uh, and, uh, yeah, 
he, he's he, he graded me on basketball, football, baseball. I didn't. But he hockey. didn't talk about roller hockey. <laughs> he was he was good. he had a great slap shot. By the way. People obviously he can swing. I so I mean obviously that well. that's, you know, he's accurate. So obviously he had a great he had a great. Uh, but no, that's not to make light of that situation. But I I do, and that is an adverse situation. And obviously with the the weight of the, you know, being a first round draft pick and all that, and getting up through and then getting that, and don't mind you. Do you remember the first time you got called up? Where was it? Yeah, it was here in Cincinnati. Yeah, I had. Um, you know the date? Uh, I believe it was probably September third of two thousand nine. September first. Ah, uh, September first. Okay. Um, it, but I can remember my first at bat like it was uh like it was nothing. You know that when you when you play in the big league park, obviously that third deck. They talk about the third deck a lot. Whoa, let's go back because I've never been called up. So. <laughs> Talk, talk us through that. Like yeah. the, the phone call, right. where were you? Like, let's hear that. I was in, I was in Indianapolis playing. So obviously not real far from here. And it uh, was obviously the last day of August and they, uh, I got a call after the game. It was the manager. Um, and it was late. It was like midnight. And, um, he's like, Hey, um, you're, you're getting called up tomorrow as a September call up. And I was like, wow, like it really, you know, that was really it kind of you get you get kind of emotional in the moment, but then you're thinking like, oh man, I got to figure out how to, <laughs> how to how to play at this level now. I like you know, it's it's a it's a strange feeling. Um, and then you and uh, so I packed up my stuff uh, probably till two three in the morning, and and they were like, you got a night game in Cincinnati tomorrow, so jump in your car and drive down here. Uh, call my family, everybody that could come. Kind of made the trip over there. I didn't start that game, uh, but I got a pinch hit a bat late in the game, and I, I hit a ball that I thought was going through the uh, past the to the left of the second baseman, and um, Brandon Phillips, is, who, who who especially at that time was one of the best second basemen in the game, I hit it, and I was like, oh, that's 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 always a hit in AAA. And, and, uh, he dives for it and throws me out, and I'm going, oh boy, this is what the big leagues is like. I got to figure this thing out, but. Um, you know, like I said, you, they always talk about that third deck. So, uh, and it go, coming from the minor leagues to the big leagues, because no stadiums, and there may be a couple now, but like no stadiums have that third deck. So they always tell you, like, if you get a little nervous, like just pull your hat down and try to block out that third deck if you can. So, so you can kind of trick your mind and thinking it's, you're still in AAA or something. It never works. It never works. <laughs> so you, know, you, you come out, of, I remember coming out uh, to get on deck for the pinch hit, and I'm looking, and I kind of look up and I'm like, oh. Did man. you have a walk up song? Well, no, we were on the road, okay. so uh, but uh, I I did have one at home, and I don't remember what it was at that time. But it was like Beastie Boys uh, or something. Probably Beastie Boys, yeah. But <laughs> um, that was that was the the most nerve wracking moment of my my entire life. Uh, but then you step in the batter's box, and you're kind of in, in this own realm. And uh, but yeah, I couldn't. Uh, you y- you really can't put into to words like what that what that actually felt like. Nice. Now I read something, um, and let me make sure I have my notes correct. Uh, where did I put it? Um, you believe that mass helps combat a lot of the negative qualities um, throughout the mm-hmm. with, throughout Major League Baseball. Um, for those of you who can't see, Neil is a very good-looking young man, um, and you're married. I am. Children. Yep. yep got one. Um, how has family, your wife and kids, um, really? been i guess played a part in keeping you on that straight and narrow of being what you know what we call a pro athlete and a lot of the temptations and pressure 
Yeah, and you and you hit it right on the head. Like, there's so much at your your fingertips now with uh, in regards to being a professional athlete in in any realm. Like, you know, and if you don't have if you don't have a good support system, if you don't have, uh, you know, strong beliefs and and the right beliefs, like it's so easy to get off track. It's so easy to just kind of live this 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 big lifestyle. And uh, people like my family, especially my wife, uh, you know, she holds me accountable. She's she She's the one that kind of reels me in when, when I have grandiose ideas and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, you talk about your religion, you talk about your, your belief systems and things like that. And, uh, when I was in Pittsburgh, uh, I grew up, I grew up Catholic and, uh, in a Catholic family and, um, they hadn't had at the ballparks on Sundays, they usually have, um, you know, uh, a group come in to, to do what they call chapel. And, and I'm sure you guys had that in, in, uh, in college too. And, and so there's, there's kind of different, different avenues. And I grew up Catholic and I always went to chapel, but in Pittsburgh, they never had a, a, an actual mass. And we were able to, to get uh, a priest to come in once a week during our homestands on Saturday afternoons to, to do like an actual mass. And I remember like the first time we did it, I think there was two people there, I think, you know, and they're kind of, everybody's kind of looking at each other like, why are we doing this? You know, there's, there's nobody here. And then they opened it. Then people, the word started to spread kind of throughout the organization and people that worked at the ballpark and things like that. And I think like the last time that I was there, there with the pirates in 2015 and they were still doing the masses, there was probably 20, 30 people every, every Saturday coming to it. So, um, but in, in the grand scheme of things, like I said, it's, it's so easy to go off track. And if you don't, if you, if you don't have, people to hold you accountable or the right belief system. Like, you know, I've had teammates that have just gone off the rails and, and literally, you know, kind of drank themselves out of baseball or, um, you know, spent way more than they, than they, than they have and kind of, uh, didn't make what they thought they were going to make. And, you know, they get out of baseball and they don't have much, much money. So, um, I feel very, very fortunate that, that I was able to it, grow up in, in a family that was, uh, that, uh, you know, we did things the right way. We had the right conversations. We uh, were very smart about a lot of different things. And that's kind of helped me to this point. Now, Wait, hold on a second. The love doctor over here needs to interject. To, you said how great, you know, I, I have to take a little bit of credit. Oh, my God. And let's take over here. You know, those that know me, know me around <laughs> here, can't, can't get out of a point here without giving some credit. So people don't know this and this is and who knows who actually is going to listen to this but it's all right the bottom line is we're listening yeah we're listening black and decker coming at you don't tell them uh sleeping on us yeah no sleeping on us but i actually here's the story behind neil meeting his wife nikki who's a great lady i had a crush on her best friend named dessa i hope dessa's actually listening to this eventually i'm about to send it to her and my wife Kristen. hopefully she she won't be too mad when the story comes out so I and and, and Kristen won and 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 Patrick, my brother-in-law, is an executive producer here. So we're, we're yeah, she won and and nothing happened in this whole whole grand scheme of things. But I had a there was this gal. So these there's two girls that I had a crush on one, Dessa. He had a crush on one, Nikki. They were older than us. Went to high school with them. Well, long story short, you know he goes to the major leagues or he's get drafted, and then I'm you know going to Miami, and then all of a sudden. Um, you know, we're like still hot and heavy over these attractive older, older gals. And so I come back to Pittsburgh from Miami. This is early on in my career. And, uh, I'm like, Neil, we got to go find Dessa. Like I got to go back. Like this is, 
you know, and they were interested in hanging out that night. It was New Year's Eve, actually. Now they are. What's that? Now they're interested. Now they're interested. Right, 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 right. And so I go, we go to a New Year's Eve party, and Dessa's there. But anyway, Neil and Nikki hit it off that night. Obviously, That's me and true. Dessa didn't. <laughs> Neil and Nikki did. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the story. That was the that was the first night. And correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. That was really the first night. Obviously, you guys were talking this and that, but that was like the first no, night. No, you was, guys, yeah, that was really the start of yeah. the start of the whole whole deal. So does Nikki mm-hmm. now with your with the travel and everything, obviously that has to be difficult with, and you've moved around kind of late in your career with, you said you have an apartment now in Miami, um, which sounds luxurious to everyone, but I can only imagine, <laughs> are they in Miami or? They, yeah. They, so they were there for, uh, the, the first homestand, but, uh, a lot of times they kind of go back and forth and, uh, we have a home, we have a home in Pittsburgh and then during the season we'll, we'll rent just for short, you know, six months, whatever the, the course of the season. Um, so a lot of times they'll try to be, they'll try to be in Miami if, if I, if I'm there for, especially if it's a week long and, you know, sometimes we come, you know, in the past they've come here cause it was, you know, five hour drive from Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Cleveland, like some places that are okay. close to Pittsburgh. Cause, uh, my parents and, and Nikki's parents are in the Pittsburgh area. So there's a lot more help there than there is, you know, when I wake up in the morning at, at. 9:30 in the morning and then I'm out the door by 12:30 one o'clock and she has the rest of the day to 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 especially deal with a two and a half year old that's 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 not very luxurious as as anybody that has uh you know young kids knows so <laughs> but um yeah it's that there's a kind of a the ebb and flow of of juggling those things during the season is is something that you uh um that's kind of hard to uh, hard to, one of the things that you don't think about, but that's, you know, that's tough. And then when the kids start to understand, like, you know, Oh, daddy's got to go on a road trip. Like then you, then you're like, man, am I, am I a terrible person? You know what I mean? What, what do I need? I, I need to do, I need to do more and the bills. Right. But you, you realize that this is part of your job and, um, you know, I'll, 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 uh, play a couple more years and be much more of a, of a help at home. And, but you certainly feel for the, <laughs> for, for the wives in that situation. And I'll say this too. Um, Kyle said this about you before you, before, you know, probably last week or so, but he was like, you know, Neil's a really, really good guy. You know what I mean? And um, when he says that, you know, I, I take that literally and, and at meeting you, um, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, and I think also that's why I wanted to bring up the part about the mass just because, Having known guys who've played professionally, coached professionally, uh, and understanding what that grind is like and knowing the temptation and a lot of the things that go into that travel, everything, um, you know, I just put you at the utmost respect in just understanding what you go through in the adversity, man. So, again, I just wanted to say I appreciate, you know, everything that you're doing and, and I think uh, – with the 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 example that you're setting, um, and, and I think Kyle was he hit the nail on the head when he said that. So, sorry, I got a little emotional there, guys. We'll bring it back. I got we can play trivia. I got a couple questions. Yeah, let's end this thing on some trivia. Let's all right, all right, it. all right. So let's talk about a few dates, Neil, okay. in your career. Um, so we said September first, two thousand nine. You were called up to the big leagues against the Reds. Um, what happened five days later? I would say five days later, I believe I got my first major league hit five days later. So that would have been the seventh 
the 7th of September, 2009. We were in Pittsburgh. I believe it was the 8th or ninth inning. I got a hit off a guy named Jason Mott. Where's was, Jason at now? Jason's done playing. I saw him in spring training. He had a great career, bounced around a little bit uh, with Colorado and St. Louis at the end of his career. But at that time, he was one of the better uh, closers in the game. So I got a hit off him. And I always tell him every time I see him, I say, I got my first hit off of you and, uh, <laughs> and all that. But I'll remember that like it was, it was yesterday. Nice. All right, second one. Uh, May 25th, 2010. Do you know what happened then? That was probably, that. I think that was uh, when I got called back up. Um, so, uh, so like I said, I didn't make the team in 2010 going into the season, but uh, they had a, the team had a spot at second base in mid-May. The guy wasn't playing real good, and uh, they said, we're going to call you up to play second base. Well, at that time, I played very little second base, so... Um, I thought to myself, oh man, this is not going to be good. This is going to be bad. <laughs> when is the and last I, time you played second base? I mean, I, I, I never played second base growing <laughs> up. Uh, that, so going into that season, I bounced around and I did, I did get kind of a run through at second base, but not an extended in spring training. So I, I, I kind of knew what to do, what not to do. Well, the middle infield is a lot different than many other positions. It's much more involved. And they, they said, you're going to go up and play second base. And I was just like, oh, no. And I spent the entire 2010 season like literally being like, please don't hit me the ball. Please don't hit me the ball. <laughs> Pop-ups, ground balls, nothing. Like I didn't want anything to do with it. And and obviously I, I evolved into a, into a, a decent second baseman. But um, – you, you want know, no Brandon I Phillips? wanted no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wasn't on that level, and I don't think I ever got to that level. But um, that was when I got called back up for, for good, and uh, I'll, I'll always remember that day. Yeah. Nice. All right, got two more. Okay. June first, two thousand ten. June first versus the Cubs. Oh, that that was uh, probably my first home run. Yes. Off of uh, Ted Lilly in Pittsburgh, I believe it was the bottom of the eighth. We were down one run, or the game was tied. And I uh, was off. able to hit. It wasn't a walk off. It was a it was a go ahead homer. Um, but I, I'll never forget going into the into that game. And you guys can see my my face here, right? So I got I got thick like I got thick beard. And one of the veterans on the team said, "We're all having we're all going to have mustaches." You know, and this was like a week before. Well, it takes me three days to, to, to have a mustache. So that particular day I had just shaved and I had just the worst mustache of all time. And I hit a home run. And after the game, obviously, you know, you get interviewed on the field and somebody puts a pie in your face and all the pictures that I have from that day, every time I look at them, the only thing that I can think of was like, you, you have this dirty looking mustache on your face. What is wrong with you? Driving a but minivan. That's fantastic. I, I didn't know that that was the exact day, June 1st. But, but yeah, as soon as you said that, I said, yeah, that was my first nice. home run. And last one. April 1st, 2011. April 1st, 2011. I th I believe I hit a grand slam. I believe that was opening day in Chicago, and I believe I hit a grand slam. I, I, well, I, I hit a grand slam on opening day, if that was the right day. Um, and here's here's another go back to Roberto Clemente. The last guy to have done that on opening day was Roberto Clemente in the 70s. Wow. So, so crazy. I mean, just – the ball just keeps spinning in that direction uh, with this whole story. But uh, yeah, that was a really cool moment. And it was like 25 degrees outside. Wind was blowing <laughs> like crazy. We were just trying to get off the field. And I was lucky enough to hit one, hit one in the seats. Nice. nice. <laughs> I tell you, you got an A-plus on that one. thought I could stump you. But maybe, we'll, maybe next year we'll ask you what happened on, I don't know what today's date is. <laughs> I'll get it right. Well, I know there's like a million things, but we appreciate, you know, all of your time. Um, definitely. I love this. This is great. You know, I think, I think just to conclude, once again, 
Um, very humble, as you can always tell. I mean, he this guy blows many people out of the water when it comes to, you know, athletics, just business acumen. He doesn't give himself credit for being a father, friend, whatever. You know, he just excels at all as- aspects of life. And as you guys can hear, you know, I think it's the consistency, it's the grind, it's the humbleness. Um, and, you know, I think to hear his story and some of the others, to hear unique kind of behind the scenes aspects. And like I said, I feel like I could be here for another three hours and <laughs> keep throwing some stuff out that, uh, you know, it could be worthwhile, but maybe we get him on, you know, maybe our hundredth episode, you know, he's the like first that. and maybe he's the like hundredth. Um, we, we keep progressing and he, hopefully you're, you're still playing <laughs> at that point, but Depends you know, on how long that episode is, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this coming up once again, I think one of these big dates that, that Calvin said was September 1st, 2009, which was here in Cincinnati, you know, him coming back here, this is 2019. Um, the last decade has gone fast, yeah. but you know, it's just been a pleasure, I think for you know, thousands upon thousands of baseball fans from Pittsburgh to across really the, the globe to enjoy, to see a guy just grind through and, and, um, potentially be part of one of the last generations to, you know, uh, be able to go up through, right. You know, Mm -hmm. with some of the metrics and different things that are happening in baseball, uh, which is fantastic. You know, he could be one of the, the last kind of guys thoroughly through that and, and make it to, this sustaining of excellence, just the way baseball is trending, but not to go into that story. We could talk for forever. <laughs> Obviously I'm a little biased in, in what this guy next to me has done, but um, thanks again, once again, for everything. Thanks for giving us your time on your day off and in uh, uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. You got it. And thanks for luck. having me on guys. Good luck. The Appreciate next couple it. days here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.